What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan and Damo back on the show, and it is Wednesday, May 24th. We have a few different topics we're going to go over today. We're going to give you an update of the conference finals, essentially give you what is going to likely be the, the preview of the NBA finals. We're going to have a Joel Embiid versus Nicole Jokic discussion. Uh, we'll get into the open head coaching vacancies, and at the end, we'll get into some draft talk. But first things first, man, uh, conference finals, the Denver Nuggets beat the La- swept the Lakers, actually, and are going to the NBA finals, um, I-, I think, for the for the first time since since when? They were saying it the other night on the broadcast, I forget. It's been a long-ass time. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. And then... The 70s or 80s. And on the other side, we have Miami was up 3-0 and was hoping to get the sweep last night over the Celtics, but the Celtics did win. So series now 3-1. to one. I think their next game is tomorrow, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there if the Celtics can keep it alive for a little bit. You know, if you're Denver, you're like, yes, please keep winning because uh, we don't want Miami to – get rested up in that situation but man denver sweeping the lakers now i know that you said denver was going to win the series but a sweep i'm not sure a whole lot of people saw that coming so what did you make of that and what do you think is next for the lakers yeah i mean denver is really really good uh they're really really good that's you know that's why they were my pick to to represent the west man um but I, I just I just think the Lakers, it kinda you know, they kinda turned back into a pumpkin. Like, I mean, they were the they were a playing team for a reason, right? Like there were some there were some holes in that team roster construction wise, and they addressed some of them uh at the trade deadline. Getting off of Russ and getting D I I think if anything, it was more so an addition by subtraction and it allowed Austin Reeves to kinda like really blossom into more of a on ball playmaking role without Russ being there. Um, but if you look at the guys that they added from the trade, three of them didn't even really play like Vanderbilt. By the time they got to this series versus the Nuggets, Vanderbilt couldn't play because he couldn't shoot well enough to stay on the court. Yep. And then, um, and then you had Malik Beasley. He wasn't playing at all because he couldn't defend. He hasn't played um, really like at all since joining the team. I feel like, yeah, and then and then D'Angelo Russell got benched. Mm-hmm. So really, the only the only piece that really was was kind of playing from the trade was D'Lo, and he was playing bad. And then you know it was more so Rui, you know Rui coming in and being that that piece next to Austin Reeves that kind of gave him a punch off the bench, but. If we being honest, that's just not enough. Like you, you're talking about a Denver Nuggets team with a two-time MVP, dude. I think he shot seventy percent true shooting, averaging a triple double. If you double him, he's gonna pass it. If you don't double, he's gonna score it from all three levels. Um, you got six ten Michael Porter Jr., one of the best catch and shoot players in the league. KCP, who we gifted to them, um, who's an elite shooter. And defender, uh, I mean Jamal Murray. I mean he's yeah. out there looking like Dame. So like they just the, the Lakers just didn't have enough horses for that. And the and the you know like I said they turned back into a pumpkin. Yeah, it sucks because I, I I I mean I don't have 
like uh, an opinion what like the dog in the fight, but it would have been nice to see LeBron go back to the finals at least one more time. And now there's this whole thing about um, will he retire? Will he not? Um, I don't think he's going to retire. I, I certainly think that where he's at in his career and given his age, I'm sure he'll consider it and have a dialogue, but I still think that there's a scenario that can be painted where the Lakers are going back to the finals and competing for a championship. And And look, I mean, yeah, they were the seventh seed for a reason, but their start to the season was atrocious. So if you, I mean, even give them 500 ball, you know, they're not a play-in team probably in that situation. So um, I, I still think that they'll be a really competitive team. I, I've been saying it for a couple years now, and I still think that they need to move on from Anthony Davis. I don't know how you feel about that, but to me, he's just not – like, and, and LeBron isn't the same player either but they're different levels of talent where they both do different things and play the game differently. And I just think that if the Lakers want to, I mean, they'll still be a playoff team if they keep Anthony Davis, but I think that they should try exploring um, other options there. I don't know how you feel about it or what you made of Anthony Davis' series here or playoff run or however you feel about him in general at this point. Yeah, it was just kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde type playoff run for him. Like, one game he'll look like a top five MVP level player. The next game he'll look like a backup center. And it's just like, dude, we need you to be consistent. Um, you know, you're su- you're supposed to be the guy taking the reins over from a 38-year-old LeBron. And it just seemed like LeBron still had to be like a Miami LeBron when that's supposed to be what Anthony Davis is doing. So... I just, as far as trading him though, I just don't know what type of value you're going to get back because a player of that caliber, you know, a top 15 or a top, even a top 20 player, however you want to slot AD, you know, with his consistencies, you're never going to get equal value back. And how long do you have to wait with a 38 year old LeBron to get back assets and then hope if, say, if those assets are draft capital, maybe you can flip those picks into something or, Maybe you use the pick to get a guy. How long does he take to develop? It's just it's just a lot of unknowns with that. So unless there's a trade on the table to get back an impact player, I don't know that there's an AD move that makes you better in the in the short term. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. And again, he's 29, 30 years old, um, still one heck of a player, but at times he just plays like he's 35, 36. So, um, and, and I mean, availability is a is a huge thing too. So, I mean, again, it's it'll be hard kind of sorting through the value because then that's a trade where if you undersell or oversell, it's it sets the market again for that kind of thing, like how the, the Rudy Gobert trade kind of set up maybe the issues with, the Jazz trying to find a home for Donovan Mitchell, why it took so long, because it that Gobert trade just kind of jacked everything up. And we know that this is going to be an offseason that has been said will have a lot of player movement. So you don't want to have that be the first domino, and it just totally wipes out the rest of the the trade market and has value all discombobulated and all that. Um, kind of hanging on that topic. I know we um, just talked about the Denver Nuggets, but Nikola Jokic versus Joel Embiid is still a conversation that people are having. And I, it's still like a, 
I could see the argument for picking one or the other, but I, so I kind of think that they're the same tier. I guess if, you know, I had to pick one, I would say that Jokic is a little bit better, but how I would describe it. And I said this in one of my, uh, my group chats I'm in last night, because I'm in a group chat with a lot of, uh, well, a, a few Sixers fans and then um, just people that like to talk hoop in general. So my conclusion is that Jokic has more skill, but I think that Embiid is obviously more physically dominant, and I think that he has more gravity as a player. And so I think that that's where, between the two, it's kind of like, you know, it, it just depends on what kind of style you like at that point. Um, but I still think that Jokic is overall a better player just because I think his passing ability, it means so much to a modern NBA offense, his ability to stretch the floor. I mean, making fadeaway two and three pointers at the end of the shot. Like, I mean, Embiid can't do that stuff um, the way that Jokic can. And there are some things that Embiid can do that Jokic can't, but I still think that Jokic right now is a better player, but I think it's, it's very, very close. I, I don't, get when people say, oh, it, this player is clearly, like, way better than, like, I, I don't see it being that way. I don't know what you think. It's interesting, because at, at one point, I did think it was, like, close, but for me, after this playoff run, it's, it's not. Like, they're, they're, both, they're both superstars, right, by name and by game. But I think the the difference is the playmaking. Like to me, it's kind of the yeah. same thing as like comparing Carmelo Anthony to LeBron, right? Like same career timeline, same kind of career arc. But LeBron's playmaking, his ability to elevate guys, is what to me makes him just takes him to another level because they both can get thirty. It's going to look different. And you have even people, I remember during that time, people were saying, well, I like Melo better because, you know, stylistically, it just looks prettier. Like the way his, he plays, the way he scores, he can put it on the floor, spin moves, fades. It's just it's just nice. To, it's the it's the type of game you want to emulate. And it's the same thing with Embiid. Like he can he can pull it out to the perimeter, put it on the floor, hit you with some crossover step backs, almost like a big guard. Right. Jokic is more methodical and, and a plotter he gonna bang you it's not gonna look it's not gonna look fancy it ain't nothing that you want to go and emulate out on the basketball court but it's effective and then like i say with the passing you can't double him you double him you are going to pay and whereas with him b you double him b he's liable to turn it over um and then the health thing is 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 really to me the health part of it uh, you know, and be having questionable health and kind of always being an issue for him come playoff time. I just think that that's really the nail in the coffin for it for me. Like, um, and I just think that's that's kind of the, the career arc they're kind of looking towards where Jokic is going to be among the LeBron tier of player. And I think Embiid is going to be more along the line of a mellow tier. Both superstars, yeah. but there's a there's a different level within that i think that's fair i guess my only argument if we were to try and give Embiid the benefit of the doubt is the the talent that has surrounded him 
over the years has been one of the worst assembled in terms of talent around a, a, a player that tier, right? Like, your second best player is, I mean, I guess if James Harden, but James Harden is so hit or miss now. I um, mean, he only just got there. Before that, it was Tyrese Maxey, who's 21, 22 years old. And then you have Tobias Harris. Like, if you take out Embiid and put Jokic on that team, how successful is Jokic? Um, and then vice versa. If you put Embiid on that Nuggets team, are they still as successful? You know, maybe. But I definitely think that Embiid hasn't had a lot of talent there in Philadelphia. I, I don't think that Daryl Morey has been a good GM. And now he's in a shit situation because they're at the mercy of James Harden, where if he leaves, they're going to have to trade off the only remaining help that they have to get another star player in. And they're not gonna, it's not going to help them. And if Harden stays, then you're basically committing yourself to purgatory. So it's, again, yeah. Embiid has had a much more difficult situation than Jokic has, I would say. Yeah, but I, I think some of that, though, is the roster is somewhat built around the weaknesses of an Embiid. Because to me, the fact that Embiid isn't a good passer is why you had to go get a James Harden, an elite distributor, right? Whereas if you had Jokic, well, Jokic probably would be just fine with a Tyrese Maxey. You know, a guy that can play on or off the ball, can defend. Like, I feel like Tyrese Maxey, if he got the shot, could slide right into a Jamal Murray type of role where he's just like this off-ball dynamo playing off of a super-skilled passing big man. Um, But you can't do that with Embiid because he's not a good passer. You have to have some – you have to have a guard next to him that has that type of playmaking gravity to make the other guys better because Embiid can't do that. Um, so that, that so that's where I kind of look at it a little differently because I'm like, all right, if you put in bead with Jokic and and Michael Porter Jr., I think you're going to be kind of looking at more of the same where it's a lot of iso ball, it's a lot of your turn, my turn, and it's not kind of this this uh, you know cohesive offense where you have this elite hub in the middle of it that's kind of orchestrating playing quarterback to everything. So yeah. that that that's just what I would say would be the difference. Like, I would I would look. I, I wish we could run that experiment though. <laughs> well, you can always fire it up on two K. Uh, I don't want two K. <laughs> um, let's see. Updated head coaching vacancies. So the Rockets did obviously hire um Ime Udoka. So the remaining openings are Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Detroit, Toronto in phoenix now i think that monty williams is the guy for the pistons and the raptors um if i were monty i would probably uh i mean it's just tough because we really don't have any clarity on which direct direction the raptors would like to go exactly i don't know if there's been any Masai pressers that kind of talk about which direction he would prefer to go in but um, yeah. I mean, I guess if they try to stay on the same path they're on now, then I think I'd rather have the Pistons job. But if the Raptors are going towards a rebuild, say they were able to trade Siakam for number three, I mean, it'd be kind of a, a no-brainer situation. I, I mean, I think I would pick Toronto in, in that case. But 
it's just tough because you know we don't exactly know what what where the Raptors are going. Do they want to trade Fred VanVleet? Are they going to try and trade OG Ananobi while he's expiring? Um, you know, we we just don't know. Yeah, I would say out of them jobs, I mean, it's. Do you want to go from one high pressure situation to another with less talent? Um, it's, it's tough. I, I think the Pistons' job is pretty intriguing because. I feel like you'll get the leeway to kind of implement your stuff with young guys who also have upside. Um, and I don't think there's going to be an immediate pressure to make the playoffs next year with the Pistons. Um, and, you know, and again, we talked about it. The, the Sixers job out of all these remaining is the worst, hands down. Yeah, because it's like, again, it's a high pressure job, and, but it's less talent. Like, would you rather coach Harden, maybe, and Embiid? Or would you rather coach KD and D book? <laughs> like Yeah, pretty easy. So so again, but it's the same pressure to win, but you're getting less player, lesser on the player end. Like I, I wouldn't want that job. Um and then, you know, like I say, with the Pistons, you can there's there's a DMV connection with Monty and uh uh their dream. I, his name is escaping me right now. Um being from Troy the Weaver. Weaver, yeah. They're both from the DMV area, AAU ties and roots, so um, if if I'm Monty, you know that would probably be the job I would lean to, unless he's dead set on taking a job where he wants to go and win a title. Um, so you know that would change the calculus. But I I would be looking at that Detroit job. <clears throat> I'm looking at um, hoops rumors, and there's an article from um. Eric Kareen from The Athletic, who has been doing the Raptors reporting there for a number of years now. Um, and he says, a perfect offseason for the Raptors would see the team hire Monty Williams and trade Pascal Siakam um, to Portland in a package for basically for Anthony Simons and the number three pick. Um, he also envisions Toronto drafting Scoot Henderson, re-signing Jakob Pertle, letting Gary Trent walk. Sign and trading Fred VanVleet to Chicago, using the mid-level exception on Dante DiVincenzo, and uh, flipping Simons to Memphis in a deal for Tyus Jones and uh, Luke Kennard. So basically, what 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 we're trying to gather here from the Raptors is they don't know what the fuck they're doing right now. So again, they're just the least. They're the the situation right now that has the least amount of clarity. But I still wouldn't consider that the the least desirable job. Again, I think that would be Philly, just because again that they're pretty much at the the mercy of James Harden, and you never want to be in that situation. I know that there's that report that came. I mean, there's constant reports right now that are saying that he's going to go back to Houston. Now, whether that's um, you know leverage. He's trying to use that as leverage in negotiations to help try and make sure that he gets that big deal. Or if, I mean, usually in this league where there's smoke that there's fire and I feel like there's been too much of the same thing for it not to at least be uh, a 50, 50 again, that's to at least be a 50, 50 who knows. And, and Harden's mind, it could be like 85, 15 or something like that. But yeah. um, I think that's something that they have to consider. And then here's the thing too does Houston have enough money to just sign him outright? Because if they do, then Philly's oh, yeah. in a little bit of trouble. And that means oh, yeah. that they're going to have – what's up? Yeah, they can do that easily. They got enough money for that. 
Yeah. And so, which basically means that if Philly wants to get another piece in, because the free agency crop really isn't like, I mean, I guess you could sign Kyrie Irving. Joel Embiid's not signing up for that. Um, there not. really isn't another top-notch guard. I mean, what are you going to do? Sign Fred Van Vliet? I mean, really, which begs the point that we should be wanting, Wizards fans should be wanting James Harden to leave because then that means Bradley Bealstock goes up in trade talks. So that is something that we should want to happen. And if Sam Cassell gets the job there in Philly, because again, to me, it's not a very desirable job. So I'm not sure that they're going to be able to get the candidate that they want. I know that they've said Nick Nurse. I mean, who, who doesn't want Nick Nurse? At the end of the day, I think Nick Nurse will end up being the coach in uh, Milwaukee. But, man, the Philadelphia situation just looks rough. And eventually, I'm sure Embiid will want out. I don't think it's going to be this offseason. But, um, yeah, I just, I just think, you know, to us as a bet, it's not a good job, but I think as a coach, you know, it's only thirty of these jobs, and you telling sure. you telling me I get to, I get to, especially as a minority coach too. You telling me I get to coach an MVP. You're gonna bet on yourself and try to take that job and see if you can make it work, um, even with the the hardened situation looming over your head. I honestly think the best course of action for the Sixers is to kind of just give the keys to Maxi, man. Let Maxi do his thing. Like, yeah. even if it meant like you sign like a Fred Van Vliet, right, to be point, and then you just let Maxi be the full time two guard. Like, I, I think you might end up with a better team than what you have. Trying to pay Pardon two hundred mil, like, I just, I just think, I think they need to let Maxi do his thing, man. Um, and if, and if that opportunity arises where they want Bradley Beal, as it was rumored, you know, and B wanted them before he. Uh, injured his wrist and they traded for Harden. They want Bradley Beal and they willing to give up Maxi. I'd be all over that. Done deal. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that they're going to have to decipher because it you could just make Maxi the lead guard and again, then just sign su- support and you may or may not have a better team, but if I'm in beat, I'm looking at that like that's probably not going to fly. So I think that he would probably want to try and bring someone else in. But if you have to bring someone else in, then that means you have to trade your remaining valuable players, which is not a lot, by the way. Because think about it. If you take away Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris, their best player after that is what? De'Anthony Melton, Georges Nyang. It's not good. Yeah, it's not, it's not a lot of depth there. You know, it's not a lot of depth. And the depth is going to be even harder to obtain with this new CBA, once you pay two max guys, it's going to be really hard. Like, you t- you're talking about a situation where you might only be able to have money for Embiid, Harden, and then you got to let Tobias and Maxi go. Yeah. So. As to where if you trade Bradley Beal, well, he's under contract for multiple years to come. And then you can, of course, just keep re-signing Joel Embiid. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, right. Again, I just think a lot of it's going to depend on if Sam Cassell ends up getting the Philly job because if he does, I think the likeliness of Bradley Beal going over there goes up a shit ton because I think it's pretty well documented at that uh, by now that that's, I think, who Beal kind of wanted this last head coaching cycle when we kind of opted to go for Wes until Jr. But, um, <clears throat> you know, we'll see. But again, I consider that the, the least desirable job. Um, Phoenix, I don't know what's going to happen there. I think that there were – they tweeted out finalists last night for that job. I think – let me 
see if I can pull it up. Um, yes. Um, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Doc Rivers, Jordy Fernandez, and Kevin Young, who is already with the Suns. So Fernandez and Young have been in head coaching talks um, before. I feel like I'm not sure. I mean, it. this could be a situation where you just move Kevin Young up and you give him a chance and see what he does. Because I'm going to be honest, out of the other coaches here, I'm not sure any of these, if any of these uh, other guys are that inspiring. And again, I don't consider Nick Nurse a legit candidate because I think he's probably going to take the Milwaukee job. So after that, it's... Frank Vogel, Doc Rivers, Jordy Fernandez, where the Kings have had one good season, um, or do I just roll with Kevin Young? And I think in that case, I'd probably just roll with Kevin Young there in Phoenix. Definitely not a bad idea with that. If you were Phoenix, what would you do? It's it's tough because it's like you got to kind of make a move where you know the players will respond to it. Like, you know how KD is, you know how D Book is, and I'm sure they were close with uh with Monty. So you gotta kinda appease them. It's a player's league. So if they like them, if they believe in them, then I say do it. If not, then you gotta seek outside. The big brain move would have been to ask Chris Paul to retire and then they just put him as head coach. That would have been the big brain move. <clears throat> um Draft talk. So, as we all know, lovely time of the year for NBA fans. It is draft season, and this is going to be a draft very unique, unlike any other. We have a lot of top prospects in this class. Um, We have three guys who would probably be considered the, the number one overall pick in drafts over the years in the past, for sure. So, top of the draft is going to be fun. There's a, a lot of quality players I still feel like that you can get throughout the first round and we're going to kind of get into that now uh first things first I did do a um posting a a poll to just see what Twitter thinks what the teams are going to do and so this is where we are at and you can tell me how in line with this you are um Spurs taking one Binyama uh given to the Charlotte Hornets. Now, this is going to be kind. I know we were saying that the draft is going to start kind of maybe with four with Houston, but I don't. Know, I don't know who the Hornets are going to take right now. I think it's tough, and I think that they are torn. Um, and it, Mitch Kupchak, I don't know if you looked at that video that I sent in our um, in our Wizards chat yesterday, but he basically said that you know they may not necessarily look to take the best player available and that he said that they've earned the right to be a little bit picky with this selection, which would lead me to believe that they would go towards taking um, Brandon Miller. But there are a lot of people in in Hornets fandom that would like them to take Scoot Henderson. And that is also who Twitter picked here um, for the Hornets here at two is Scoot Henderson. Um, That means Brandon Miller going to Portland at three the Rockets at four taking Amon Thompson. And then right now at five, Detroit. This is an active poll I still have going. And right now, Cam Whitmore is winning. So is that kind of, if, if let's say Portland sticks at three, is that kind of how you see the, the first five playing out? Do you like that? Would you switch anything? 
Yeah, I think I think so far that's pretty much on. Like it, it, whether it's Portland or not at, at three, whoever whatever team maybe trades up or whatever, I think that's probably how the board is going to fall with the top three. Um, and then I think you're going to see a run on the on the on the big wings and guards there. So where if you're the Hornets GM, which direction w- would you go toward there? Are you a, a scoot guy or would you maybe take Brandon Miller? Because the thing, and we don't know what's going to happen with Miles Bridges. I know that um, that he could come back um, this year. I'm not exactly sure about that situation. I don't know if you know anything about it. So that maybe also could bode well in Scoot's favor there too. But overall, I don't know what what would you do if you were Mitch Kupchak there? Yeah, I think, you know, we always say BPA, best player available, but, you know, the thing with that is, is it really the best player available if you're taking a guy and you're not putting him in the best position to maximize his game? Right. right. So, it's like, you know, we've seen iterations of the two-point guard thing, and it's really never worked. Like Exactly. The Suns tried it with Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe, the Cavs, uh, it. Like it's it's just it's it's never you know the Cavs tried it. It's just never it's never worked. So you know, because uh, usually those two guys have to be ball dominant, and they're usually not defenders. So or shooters. So it just it just doesn't work. I, I think Charlotte would be smart to go Brandon Miller there, six nine, wing shooter can play on or off the ball. Uh, you know that gives some additional size. Pairing up with a six-seven Lamelo, who can also shoot it, I think I think that's the way they should go. And who knows? Maybe whoever gets that um, that pick at three, um, and they really like Scoot Henderson, you know, maybe you're in a situation there where you can get Portland to sucker up into trading up a spot because maybe if they don't say, well, okay, well we're going to give it to the Rockets then, and we're going to go down to four, you know, maybe something like that where they can still get Brandon Miller there at three if they trade down a spot. So. Um, you know, a lot of different possibilities that Charlotte could do here um, with the number two pick. And I definitely, I think that Scoot Wright, as of now, is the better player. But I still think that long-term Brandon Miller has more potential. And again, because of his size and his skill already at that size being one of the best sharpshooters in this draft. I know that he has to work a little bit on his handle and his shot creation. But to me, that's easier to teach than... Um, you know, the other way around where it's, yeah, you may be able to do a little bit of shaky stuff off the bounce or whatever, but if you can't shoot worth a damn, then, you know, I can't do anything with that. So um, I, I definitely think that Miller has a lot more potential and I think that he would be best fit for the Hornets. So I agree with you there. Um, yeah. Portland, it's still a little bit unclear what, what they're going to do with that number three pick. I think that they would like to move it. I guess the question is like how we were kind of talking earlier with Anthony Davis and you're not really going to get equal value back, you know, I mean, what star player do you genuinely feel like is going to be equal value for that number three pick that Portland's going to be able to find. And again, like the, the Raptors, like, yeah, you could trade with the Raptors. Are you, you're going to move down all the way to 12. I don't know. Um, you know, if you want to make a trade with, a contender, you know, you, you and get a piece. Great. Well, you're going to be trading all the way back down to the end of the first round. It's just it. I'm not sure what, it, it, and that's why, like personally, 
and, and let's say the the Hornets take Scoot, it makes a lot of sense for the Blazers to sit there in three and wait on Brandon Miller if that's what's going to happen. But if the Hornets are going to take Brandon Miller at two, then that maybe kind of puts Portland in a little bit of a de- desperate situation. And if that happens, well, then are you going to get the deal that you're looking for? So it's just two and Ooh. three right now. It's just all over the place. We don't know what anyone's going to do. Yeah, it's tough. Portland, I, I mean, I think all of the signs are kind of pointing them right in the face to, to, to move off a of Dame because if you move off a of Dame, all the assets you would get back for that and then being able to draft a Scoot Henderson who would be a natural successor to Dame in Portland. like Right. It makes so much sense. Young, it makes perfect sense to just go ahead and do that. You already got your guards there. Uh, you can trade Dame for more assets, maybe some front court help. And you'd be right back. You'd be right back to to playing competitive basketball in another two or three years. So, I, you know, I, I think I think they're probably going to look for defensive being help. So that's why I see Malcolm to me makes the sense for them to move three. Um, and then that for the after that fits kind of the direction I could see Masai going, like taking the third overall pick and then using that to get a blue chip player, you know, rather that be, you know, Scoot Henderson. Now you got Scoot Henderson and Scotty Barnes as kind of your core to build around going forward, knowing that Fred Van Vliet is a free agent, you know, and then you got some kind of fit questions with OG Ananobi, Siakam, and Barnes there all kind of playing the same position. Right. Yeah, I I think that that makes too much sense. And, and I think that's, again, I'm really hoping that Joe Cronin just wises up here and just says, Dame, sorry, man, I, I love you to death, buddy. But this is a situation, you know, we've been talking about it for a few years now, but it's literally smacking us in the face at this point, And we can't ignore that any longer. So pick three teams that you want to go to. We'll get on the phone and we'll try and work something out. I mean, it really is as simple as that. Then you don't have to stress over trading the the pick and trying to make sure that you get good value back for that. Because he, here's the thing, whatever player they get back for three, you can add that to, to their current group still, assuming that they re-sign Jeremy Grant and you add that to Nurkic or whatever, you're still, you still may not sniff the second round with that. You may not even sniff the plane with that. If we're being right. honest. So it's, Again, now, if you were going to trade three for another play for like a Pascal Siakam and then you were going to try and use your remaining salary to get another player, I mean, I, I guess, but I just don't think that they have the cap space to do that. So it just doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense here from Portland's view on trying to build a contender around Dame. I mean, if Dame wants to play for a contender, then his, your best bet is to trade him to a contender then because I don't think that there's a, a situation they can build one. I, I could see a scenario where, like, if they go Dame, say you go Sharp at the two. Um, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy Siakam at the four. Range. Yeah, yeah, like I, I think that's a playoff team. But is it a contender? Yeah. No. No. Again, like first round, maybe. Like if if Dame goes off and Siakam has a really good series, maybe you go to the second round, maybe. Right. Yeah. But it's just, I just don't see it as, you know, this, this title winning team. And they have a lot of free agents too. Like we have to consider like most of their bench players are going to be free agents. 
Um, Justice Winslow is going to be a free agent. Cam Reddish is going to be a free agent. Um, again, key starter, Jeremy Grant's going to be a free agent. Is it necessarily a guarantee that he goes back to that? Uh, I would consider going somewhere else if I were Jeremy Grant. Um, right. It's just, it's a lot up in the air. It's a big, big offseason for Portland. Um, anyway, four, Houston Rockets. Now, let's pretend that they're getting James Harden, right? So I think that that kind of takes away, you know, they're not going point guard, but I still think that that's a good spot for one of the Thompson twins or you can go Cam Whitmore. But I guess that the bigger question is what do the Rockets plan on doing with Jalen Green? If I'm going to be honest with you, I would consider trading him. But I don't know where you're at with that, how you feel about his development. But if they're trying to go more when now you want to make use of this number four overall pick, you, you want to take BPA. I mean, it, there, it really doesn't make sense to keep Jalen Green in that case, then, especially if you're going to get James Harden. So, um, And again, they could just trade the fourth pick, which honestly I would consider. But uh, it's – I mean, the, the, Amon Thompson is very, very talented, and it, would, it might be foolish to pass on him. And if you have Harden have the ball most of the time. Uh, that that's where I would be looking to move, and then you keep Jalen Green, and then in, at four you look to go wing. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a uh, Cam Cam Whitmore, or maybe you go Osser instead of Amen, who's more who's a better shooter and and has a better off ball game than Amen. Um, so now you got your starting small forward, you got Harden, you got Jalen Green, you got Jabari, and then you got Singun, um, and then you still might have some cap cap space to go get another guy. Uh, I, I think I would probably go that route than, than trading Jalen Green. Yeah, for sure. It just makes me wonder, like, they've had these problems where, where it feels like it's almost like babysitting a high school team with, I guess, all the young personalities, and it's just like, is James yeah. Harden going to be the one to come in and, and fix all that? You know, probably not, because I feel like at this point in his career, he just wants to vibe and ball out enjoy the years where he can still play and and be the number one guy and not to say that he'll like openly be a dick to everyone or anything it's just i'm not sure he's going to be the guy to come in and get a locker room and check you know um, sure. and i don't know how much of an issue jalen green has been for them you know little stuff here and there but you get we do like to factor in um surroundings for a player it's hard to come in as an 18, 19 year old kid. And because again, we have to remember that even though they have a year of college experience or G League night experience or whatever, they're still kids. Like their, their, their mind is not developed. I mean, he's probably not going to mature until he's like 25, 26 years old. I mean, that's just, you know, the development of the male mind. Right. So again, if Wall and Beal were in Houston, with all those young players, would they necessarily have developed the way they did? And when we talked about this um, a couple episodes ago or so, you know, probably not. So very important things to consider. And I definitely think that this is an offseason where the Rockets should try and bring in some veterans. That's why, you know, I think they should consider looking to, to move that number four pick. Now, I don't know what kind of veteran you're going to get back, um, but I still think it's something that should be, considered and talked about because if you want to try and establish a culture and you want to maximize the young talent you have well to me that means you need to bring in some more veterans who have been around the league a little bit longer and are going to be able to give someone the side eye to let them know to shut the fuck up and listen to what the coach is saying or to listen to 
what one of the younger captains is saying, you know? So, yeah, I mean, they need they need their, you know, Wall and Bill had Ariza, Nene, and Gortat, you know? They need that. But it's like, who are you putting that around? Because, like, literally the whole starting five is all young guys. Right. So who are the two young guys that you're like locked in on as your core and then you're filling the you're supplementing the rest of your roster with vets? Yeah. You know, they got to make a decision on that. I think Jalen Green is one of those guys. It sounds like Singoon is the other. But then where does that leave Jabari Smith, who you just took second overall? Where does that leave Kevin Porter Jr., who you just keep gave this kind of incentive laden contract? Um you know, what do you do with those guys? Or do you put them on the trade block now or do you keep them and move them to the bench? Right. I mean, I know the one player for sure that I know I'm keeping is um, Shengun because to me, I think he's their best player. right? So that's the, that's the one guy to where if I'm keeping anyone out of those guys, I would keep him. Would I be opposed to moving Jalen Green? No. Would I be opposed to moving Jabari Smith in a deal? No. But Shengun, I'm keeping. So, yeah. And again, ideally, you would like to keep all three of those guys, but sometimes, you know, if you want to get better, you want to add some veteran talent on that team, yeah, there, there may not be another option there. Anyway, I'm sure they'll keep all three of them. Um, let's move to some Wizards draft talk now before we cut this off. So I've been kind of debating for a while, like between Anthony Black and Gasson Wallace, right? Because I know those are the the popular two right now for the Wizards. Yes, I know that I know that some are hoping that Cam Wetmore falls. Um, I think we have kind of a it, it's a it's a sad log jam, but nonetheless, we still have a little bit of a log jam at the forward spots right now. Um, and we can kind of get into that in a second. But in terms of the point guard spot, because I know that's probably our biggest need, I would trade Monte Morris for a single second round pick or cash considerations at this point. <laughs> Um, so I, I was originally Anthony black and then I went to Kassan Walsh, but now I think I'm back on the Anthony black train. So I, I just think he, the defense that we need his potential. I know that, and potential is such a weird word to use because all these kids have potential, right? It just depends on who's going to be developing them. Are they going to be willing to go, um, outside the box to try and go out of their way to improve their games. And I think a lot of that is just going to depend on who they're around in these early years. Um, and I think that Kassan Wallace has a great work ethic and is a, a better natural scorer of the basketball than Anthony Black is. But I think that Anthony Black is still the guy that I'm hoping falls to the Wizards at eight right now. Yeah, I think it's a it's a perfect marriage of best player available in need um you, you you know i've i know they wanted dyson daniels last year and i think anthony black is even better than him so yeah it just makes too much sense like because i think black is like a, a legitimate true point guard like a real lead guard he can take it and run your pick and roll run your offense get it off the rim push the break get into the paint like his free throw rate is higher than john walls De'Aaron foxes shea gillis he has a high free th higher free throw rate than all three of those guys coming out of college. So that just tells you how good he is at getting to the rim. And I was listening to to, to Matt's Believe Pod. Shout out to Matt. Uh, 
he had a gentleman on talking about kind of Anthony Black's background and how he was a football player in high school. He was a wide receiver. He was a four-star wide receiver in high school, and then he chose basketball. So I like guys that have that football mindset because it's a physicality they play with, and you see that with him on the defensive end. Like, he gets into guys, you know, at six seven with like a six eight ish wingspan, 39-inch vertical. Like, yeah, he's going to be a much better point-of-attack defender than Monte will ever be. Um, and so you get him, and now his job is to make the jobs of Bill, Kuzma, KP, your other guys easier. And now I think you got a more the, – the sum of the parts looks a lot better than what, what they've been. Now, if for some reason Cam Whitmore is there, um, uh, I would assume that that meant that Anthony Black got taken earlier. But for shits and giggles, let's say they're both available. Would you still take Anthony Black over Whitmore? Oh, that's tough. Uh, that's tough. I, I think it's a, it, right now it's a toss-up for me. I think I would go – I would be fine with either one. But it, I, I would probably lean black slightly, but I would be fine with either one. Yeah, I would be fine with either one. I guess a, a lot of that kind of depends, too, on what the Wizards want to do with their starting five. Like, do they like KP at the four? Do they want to move him back to the five? I think kind of the understanding is they'd like to move him back to the five, which ideally would move Kuzma back down to the four, where I think he's probably more of a mismatch there. I know that we were trying to play big and it worked for a little while, but it, you do lose a little bit on the other end. So I think that it'd probably be wiser for them to to go back to moving KP to the five, Kuzma to the four, which does open up a spot at the three, you know, Denny, Corey, or Whitmore. I mean, I, I think I'd probably go Whitmore in that case. So maybe that's a, a situation where you would look at Cam and you look at um, maybe not necessarily positional value, but the wings are still a bit like small forward and point guard. I mean, it, it just kind of depends on the makeup of your team. You know, I know that there, generally speaking, isn't a point guard problem on a lot of NBA teams right now, which would you know, you don't want to get behind in that because I think the Wizards are one of maybe the only three teams max who have a point guard issue right now. So you no longer want to be one of the teams with that issue. So maybe you go point guard, but there is still some importance in having those wings who can score, defend. Um, so, you know, Whitmore in some cases may have more value, but I think I'm with you. I think I would still go black just because we're tired of saying that we need to that we need a point guard we need a point guard and it's going to take some years right like he's not going to come in and average 11 points eight assists and six rebounds or whatever right like and shoot 50 percent true shooting he's not that type of guy it's going to take some time but i do think he's a guy that could help um be a a connector type guy you know um and get everyone involved and i think that that's what a lot of our guys are are gonna need. So I'm still hoping it's Anthony Black, but um, I, I'd be fine with a, a selection of a few guys. You know, Cam Whitmore, I'd be fine. Um, Kassan Wallace, I'd be fine. I think Jarris Walker, I think I'd be fine with. Uh, Gigi Jackson, I'd be fine with. Maybe not that high, but um, are there any other like low key guys that if they took you wouldn't necessarily like be mad at it. Like, is there a, a Jalen Williams in this draft for you right now that is probably going to get picked in the teens, but you kind of low key wouldn't be upset if the wizards took him at eight. I don't see that. Um, there's some sleepers, but 
I don't I don't see that player. Well, I'm not sure the draft talk is really going to change that much um, between now and the draft, unless we start getting some movement on some of the other teams, maybe around the Wizards that are looking to move their pick. But, I mean, as of right now, Orlando really doesn't have a lot of incentive to move the pick. Neither does Indiana. Um, We already talked about the top five. So, I mean, I imagine that the Wizards are going to get a player that they're looking for here at eight. I guess it just depends on this point who's going to take the GM job. And as far as I know, there's been no traction on that, correct? I think we're still in the same place we were the last time we recorded. Right. I haven't heard anything on that. So we'll see, though. I I, I still bet that they want Bob Myers. Um, I did a poll, and the winner was Michael Winger. Uh, just because I, I think, you know, are we necessarily sure that Bob Myers wants to continue being uh, a GM and does he just kind of want to get out of that to where he's not liable for anything and doesn't have to worry about the day-to-day stress of that job anymore. So I, mean, I think that that's something that um, you should definitely consider. I know a lot of people are looking at um, the Clippers for him, something organizationally. So maybe that means that Michael Winger is – the guy. Um, how do you feel about Michael Winger in general as a as a candidate for the job? Do you like what he's done with the Clippers over the year or not really a fan? He, he, he's built a decent program there, but it's not it, it's not one of those classic rebuilds like the Warriors or the Thunder, right? But he's built a winning program there with the pieces they've had. So I like his background. And plus, he worked on a Danny Ferry, if I'm not mistaken. And he was a candidate in 2019. So I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel. Like, I. It's tough because if Kawhi was more healthy, do we think that the Clippers would have been more um, aggressive in some seasons with trying to add talent? You know, maybe. Um, would they have seen maybe more second round or Western conference finals appearances than they have, you know, maybe. So a lot of that is riding on his health. And like, I hated the Paul George trade, but I guess if you're thinking about it, like if you're about to sign Kawhi Leonard and his mandate is okay, go get Paul George. I mean, at the time Kawhi was coming off um, a championship was healthy. So, I mean, you know, I get it, but I still think that that Paul George trade was a disaster. They kind of bone them for years to come. But again, it's like, what choice did he really have in that situation? I mean, if Kawhi tells you, I need something to get done if I'm going to come here, I mean, obviously, I mean, you're, you're going to try and make that happen. Uh, we'll try and do more of a, a deep dive into prospects once we kind of wind down the conference finals. We get into the NBA finals, um, maybe talk about some coaching stuff, but I'm trying to catch up on some prospects right now so we can dive into those guys, some some picks past the Wizards, maybe what those teams are going to be looking for maybe some sleepers towards the end of the first round, some guys that will go in the second round that maybe could contribute or have these potential. I'm trying to get caught up on all that. So um, hopefully by this time in a couple of weeks, I'll have some bars I can spit in regard to some of these prospects. So I'll try to get caught up on that so we can have more of a draft prospect episode. We'll try and have some guests on between now and the draft. Um, some other guys on Wizards Twitter that may be more well-versed in the draft and with these prospects. So we'll try and get some different viewpoints from some different people. So 
But anyway, I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this episode today. If you're not already subscribed, please make sure that you are. Read us five stars and leave us a comment. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.